0: I want to welcome each one of you today. It's, it's a good Sunday. It's a special Sunday. It, actually, every Sunday is probably a good Sunday, but this Sunday is just a little bit different. We're about to start a new season, and, and we just call this Vision Sunday, an opportunity to renew what God has encouraged us to do as a church. So we trust today that there will be opportunities for you to hear from God personally, to be able to be inspired, and also be convicted. In fact, that happens to me every time I open up the Word. There are things that I just get so excited about, and there are things I need to confess. Things I need to depend on God differently, things where He is steering me in areas where I need to grow, where I need to improve. We're going to start off with just kind of understanding what God's plan is for this church and for believers. God loves you and wants you to respond to His grace. We see this all the way through the scriptures, but in John chapter 3, he goes to a very religious man, a man that if you'd look at him, you'd say, "Whoa, he's got his act together. He loves God with all of his heart. But Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You need to be able to have a relationship with me. In John chapter 4, just one chapter later, Jesus, well, he's on a road to Samaria. He's in Samaria. And, And there's a woman that comes to the well, very different than this religious man, all right? Very different than, well, what God, very different than this person's relationship with God. She was an outcast. She was trying to find hope, and Jesus met her and loved her and says, you know what? I just want to encourage you, but I have water that will satisfy you, and it's me. God also wants you to follow Jesus and to be transformed into his likeness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the scriptures tell us that anytime someone comes to faith, anytime someone becomes part of God's family, they become a new creation. And God begins this transformation, this opportunity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 16, Paul writes this, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. God wants you to reflect Jesus, in our culture. In fact, God wants you to live like Jesus abundantly and eternally. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2 some interesting words. Some words that probably should take all of us back a step or two. He says this, those who say they live in God. Should live their lives as Jesus did. We talk a lot about that here at Cross Point, but that statement should startle you. <laughs> if I walk with God, that I am going to live like God when He was here on this planet? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about that today, but let's pray first. Father, we pray for your church. We pray for your church, Father, that is meeting all over the planet right now. Some maybe have met earlier and some maybe have met later, but God, they have gathered together, some in rooms, some in cathedrals, to worship and adore you and to hear from you. We are so grateful for your church. We also pray, Father, for churches in our area. Some of them sister churches from Converge. We pray for Northbridge, and we pray for Fierce, and we pray, Father, for Wonder Lake. And we ask you, God, that you would use those flocks to be salt and light, and that they would go out and affect your world. We pray, Father, for our church. We are so grateful for those who are working with our kids. We pray for those as they teach truths to our children, that they might see Jesus, they might follow Jesus. Lord, not only do we have people working with our kids, but with people all the way throughout this week. We ask that you would be with those servants, encourage them, give them strength and wisdom and guidance, God. We pray that you would empower them. We pray that your spirit would be so abundantly active that they would teach truth and that we would respond to your word. Lord, we are grateful for today. We know, God, that... Uh, the church has gone through some rough spots. We recognize that there is, well, opportunity for us to, fresh, to have a fresh start. Not only this church, but churches all over. We've wrestled with some of the politics of our nation. We recognize, Lord, some of the health issues that have stymied us. We pray, dear God, that we would see you Clearly. And understand what you want us to do in the days to come. We love you and pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And he said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. God is basically saying that relationships are important. The first and most important one is for you to love God, for us to love God, and then to love others. Let's try and make the Crosspoint Church pathway simple. The reason we come together. The road that we travel together. And if I could put it maybe in one sentence, I would say this. Walk with the Lord, grow in up, in, and out relationships, and surprise your world. What is an up, in, and out relationship? Now, over the years, we've talked about these relationships, and we've used illustrations to help us understand, but an up relationship is every one of our relationships with God. An in-relationship is our relationship with those who are inside these walls or part of our community. An out-relationship are our relationships with those folks, our neighbors, who are outside the walls of the church. So we walk with God. We begin to grow. We begin to connect with God and our people here and those outside these walls differently and surprise our world. Now we usually do well in one of these up, in, and out relationships. But Jesus did well in all three relationships modeling for us how to live abundantly in a broken world. If we according to John, are to walk with God and we are nurtured by God and God is transforming us, then we will naturally begin to reflect God in our lives. And we will do well in our up, in, and out relationships. Our up relationship is critical and most important because everything really flows from it. Jesus did up really well. Jesus, the God-man, walked with God. Now, again, some of you may be wondering, are are you really expecting us, or is is God really expecting us to live like Jesus, to respond to others like Jesus? I mean, he was the son of God. How how is that possible? Well, he also was 100% human. And he connected with God, just like you and I connect with God. And he worked his mission, God's mission, as each one of us are asked to work his mission. So Jesus, the God-man, walked with God. And we've got so many examples of this. The Gospels are actually filled with his examples. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 35... The scripture says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. How unusual. The son of God needing to talk to his dad. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You see, Christ's up relationship was amazing, which meant a perfect balance in life. He was content. He was doing life at God's pace and in God's direction. Now, many of us are busy. I get it. And you have many important things to do. But my guess is that none of us had Jesus' schedule. He knew he was only here for a short time, even though we know the same thing. But somehow Jesus wasn't harried. Mm -hmm. Jesus wasn't pressured. Jesus did life at God's pace and God's direction. We want you as a church to grow in the knowledge of God as you experience our corporate Sunday worship celebrations and our prayer gatherings. We hope you will grow personally as you learn about Jesus and listen to his gentle voice. You see, everything changes when you come to faith, when that relationship starts. But we all know that relationships never work if they're one-sided. God is gracious, faithful, available, and wanting a relationship with each one of us. But we will never drift into a great relationship. Which simply means you have to spend time with God if you want your relationship to grow, if you want your intimacy to deepen. We must take action, we must be intentional. We have to spend time in the Word. It must be part of our daily lives, learning what God is teaching us, learning about God, understanding how to do life. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 2, to crave God's spiritual milk. Desire God's word deeply so that you may grow. You may be nourished. a relationship that is growing in the up also spends time in prayer. It, it means we need to be talking to God. Again, not even trying to pick on anyone in particular, but oftentimes once we get busy or once we get in a groove, oftentimes we don't need God, whether it's ministry or not. We kind of leave him uh, on the outside. But Paul writes in First, Th- first Thessalonians chapter 5, n- never stop praying. Never stop praying. Always be in communication with God. Always be talking with God. Relying on God. Depending on God. And then if our up relationship is going to grow, we're going to need time to respond. Again, so many of us, uh, again, we'll, we'll do our devotions. We'll, we'll read our verse. We'll read our chapter. We'll read whatever. And, and then we, we just kind of move forward. One of the things I try to encourage, especially the men in, in the groups that I meet with, is to open up God's word and to stop and to listen and to question. God, how are you changing my image of you? God, what are some areas that you need to change in my life? Father, what are some areas I'm not obeying you in? Lord, what are some pathways you want me to travel? You see, God desires that we listen, that we follow, that we obey. It's so interesting in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 when Joshua was just taking over the leadership of, well, moving the children of Israel over into the promised land. Moses had just died and God gave him this assignment. You're the leader. He tells Joshua, meditate on my word. Obey everything in it. Listen to it. So that everything you do will be successful. And remember, I am with you always. Meditate. Isn't just some quick kind of read. It's listening. It's hearing. Now there are examples all the way through the scripture. Where Jesus himself or The gospel writers encourage us to develop that up relationship. You remember in Luke chapter 10, there was Martha and Mary. Jesus was over at their house. Martha was doing exactly what she was supposed to. Well, make a wonderful meal for Jesus and and be hospitable. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha got a little upset and and basically said, Hey, Jesus, when are you going to tell Mary to to get with it? And Jesus gently just looked at her and says, Hey, Mary is choosing what is best. And what is best is sitting at my feet, getting to know me. In John 15... During his last hours with his disciples, Jesus once again was trying to teach them and used an illustration about a vine. And he basically said, hey, I I just want to remind you guys, I am leaving. My father's the farmer and I'm the vine and you are the branches. You need to stay connected with me. If you are going to be fulfilled, if you are going to experience abundant life, if you are going to bear fruit, you need to hang out with me. In Philippians, we just got through spending 12 weeks in that amazing letter. In chapter 1, verse 9, the apostle Paul prays this and says, Hey, uh, Philippians, I, I want you to know that I am praying that you will get to know God more and more. And then in chapter 3, starting at verse 5, going all the way to verse 11, the apostle Paul just goes way out on a limb and says, I just want you to know, the most important thing for me is to get to know Jesus, to experience the power of his resurrection, and to suffer like him. The first thing he says, I want to know God better. It's important for each of us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it's amazing. But what happens is uh, the author of Hebrews just says, hey, I I want you to know you're running a race. And during the race, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to spend time with Jesus. I want you to keep looking to Jesus. Not only is our out or up relationship important because everything flows from that. If you don't have a healthy up relationship, the in and the out become rather perfunctory. But let's look at our in relationships are important, connecting well with those inside our walls. Jesus also did his in relationships well. In his case, it was more of a rabbi-student relationship But realistically, as Jesus moved and as Jesus talked to his disciples and spent time with those who listened to his teaching, he asked them for quite the commitment. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people those disciples left their nets. They left their livelihood and decided, I'm going to go spend time with God. I'm going to learn how Jesus does ministry in life. In Mark chapter 3, verse 7, we find out that Jesus went out to a lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. He was hanging out with these men, teaching them about life, developing a relationship with them. In Luke chapter 9, 10 and 11, critical in that whole book of Luke. But he sends out his disciples in chapter 9 after spending, well, months with them training. And then they come back together and they talk about, hey, what did you do? How did you learn? What happened? How did God work? In John chapter 2, Jesus invites his disciples as he goes to a wedding and does an amazing miracle. In John chapter 6, Jesus has his disciples around. He's teaching. But he encourages them to be able to be part of the ministry as they distribute fish and bread. In John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, the Time where the Last Supper is recorded. Jesus is spending time with his guys, encouraging them, teaching them. We want you to be able to grow in your love for the church, for those in the church, and for the generosity to the church, which is Christ's body. This means being part of a CPC group, struggling well with life together and using your gifts to serve others sacrificially and joyfully. You know, what's amazing is that the church is God's means to accomplish his mission. The church is the body of Christ on the earth. Just think of that. We are his hands and feet. Jesus is not here anymore. Wherever we go, we have the opportunity to represent him. And this was his plan. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes about how wonderful the privilege is of the church and how all these different parts come together And in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul lists different gifts so that the church might thrive. You see, a healthy church is known for their love for each other. In John 13, starting at verse 35, Jesus said this to the group around the table during the Last Supper. Your love, guys, your love, disciples, for one another, will prove to everyone you come in contact with that you are my disciples. And then Jesus described love in verse 34 of this same chapter, that love is sacrificial, and love is literally giving up your life for another So in John 13, 34, he said this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. So what Jesus is saying is, is that your love for the brothers ought to be sacrificial. Ought to be a love that you love others like I have loved You. It's giving up your life for one another. Uh, Of course, that's going to prove to the world that you're my disciples because we don't normally or naturally do that. You see, the community at church is like no other. You treat others differently and are treated differently than any other place on the planet. Forgiveness flows. Conflicts are resolved. Grace is extended. Words are gentle rather than slanderous. We are family. Now, sometimes that's not the case. Not in every church in this area, nor in our church. But how does this change? How does an atmosphere like that happen? It begins with a rich relationship with God in the up, so that our in changes. We, the church, are God's servants or slaves. And just so you understand, servants serve. In the scriptures, as we are called the body of Christ, serving means that each of us does our part so the body functions well. You see, if you are part of this church, God has called you to this church. And he has perfectly placed you in this church. Not necessarily for the bells or whistles. But that he needs you here to use your gifts so the body is coordinated, so the body functions, so the body is a well oiled machine, shall we say. Now, yes, there are times we serve because of fires. I often say that, hey, if there's some little guy that just exploded and his diaper is full, I have a couple choices. Lord, have I been called to the children's ministry? Or should I change the diaper? I think you change the diaper. All right, you do. And we all have those scenarios. But realistically, God's given you a gift. God's given you the ability and called you to a church in order to use it so that the body might function well. Serving the Lord means serving each other. If you go back to John chapter 13, can you believe it that Jesus himself took the role of a servant and washed his disciples' feet, even the disciple that was going to betray him? Now in the church, shepherds do the equipping, which means the flock has an openness to learning and training. Pastors are not hired to do the work of the ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. In Titus chapter 2, verse 15... Paul writes to another young pastor and he says, you must teach these things, things that happened all the first two chapters, and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. The word is inspiring. The word is convicting. And the truth is, each one of us, no matter Where we hear the word or open the word, we like inspiring better. I do believe there are seasons of ministry sabbaticals, but I don't believe that there's ever retirement in the church. The question comes, hey, how am I gifted and how am I using my gifts in the church that God has called me to? See, the church or believers also make disciples, which is always having an out part to it. Uh, Jesus was intentional and he asked and he made disciples who made disciples, but, but here's where we transition into the up relationship. And Jesus said this in Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. In Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 28, the apostle Paul writes, so we tell others about Christ. That's the up. Excuse me, the out relationship, which we're going to hit in one moment. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect, mature in their relationship. Then Paul says, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on God's power. So I want to tell others about Christ. I want to help them grow in their relationship with God and its work. The question is, again, as you look at this in relationship, are you making disciples? Which also leads us now to the out relationships. Remember, not every one of us are going to hit the ball out of the park in every one of these relationships, but but this is over a lifetime we continue to grow, and we understand what is important. So there may be some things that, that God convicts you this morning and just says, hey, I, I need to address this. Other ways you'll be inspired. But our out relationship is also important relationships with those outside of these walls. Jesus also did out very well. In fact, his reputation, according to Luke chapter 7, is that he was the friend of sinners, publicans, and prostitutes. He hung out with those that well, actually weren't part of the synagogue or the church. There are some examples in Luke chapter 7. Jesus goes to a house of a Pharisee. Remember, that was a religious kind of a person. That wasn't a person part of Christ's crowd. In Luke chapter 19, he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' home. Again, not a very religious person at the time. But all the way through the Gospels you will read that Jesus was intentional in going to people who were not yet redeemed. We hope that you are mingling with the not yet redeemed, growing and sharing the good news, growing and telling your story of God's grace, growing and pointing people to Jesus, growing and being salt and light while loving neighbors and neighborhood and world. We've reminded you often that some have the gift of evangelism. But all of us have the privilege of telling others our grace story. That I was dead and now alive. I met Jesus who changed my life. I want to introduce him to you. In Mark chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus was invited to Levi's house. And all the disciples came, and they had all these dinner guests, and along with them were tax collectors and other, the scriptures say, disreputable sinners. Oh my. And then there's kind of a parenthesis. Jesus hung out with these folks a lot. In Colossians chapter 4, the apostle says this, live wisely among those who are not believers, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given to you. You know what? God desires each of us to grow in our up, our in, and our out relationships. But there are also some general, what I would call, exhortations. Everybody's statements. And there's three of them that I think will affect all of us. It doesn't fit in the in category or the out category. But, but God says this, as you walk with me, I want you to do good works enthusiastically because it matters. Not because you have to. Not because you have to. In other words, there are going to be opportunities for you, whether you're in an in crowd or an out crowd, where you can do good. In Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 9, Paul says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good, of doing the right things, of ministering to people. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Paul also writes, pray for everybody. He's not saying especially for those in the in crowd or those in the out crowd. But in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes this, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Pray for all people. And lastly, the scripture tells us In Titus chapter 3, verse 2, slander no one. Some of your versions would be speak evil of no one. Paul writes, they, Christians, the church, must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. You know, as a church, we look at these privileges and responsibilities. A lot of us have fallen into a category I'm just going to come out on a Sunday when I can, when it's convenient. The scriptures tell us as we walk with God, we're going to live like Jesus. And Jesus had a rich up relationship and in relationship and out relationship. When we walk with God, growing in our up, in, and out relationships, we will surprise the world. We will make an impact. In fact, we will be steeples pointing to Jesus.
1: To start a revival, I'll prepare the way, I don't need a time. Jesus alone, the truest of treasures, when people come, no matter their story, I pray they be changed from glory to glory.
0: There you have it, the cross-point pathway, the road that God has called us to travel together. Hopefully it's been inspiring, but I also know it's been convicting. We, We have Christ's example. We have the scriptures encouraging us There are so many benefits to grow and not to stay the same. Growth is always awkward. Growth is always uncomfortable. Growth means you're going to be others-focused and not self-focused. Growth means some commitments, doing some things that God sees as important and and not you. But it starts with some honest questions and answers. Do I want to grow? Do I want to? Do I want to live my life more like Jesus? Because just so you know, the majority of Christians probably say no. They do. Our hope today is that we say yes. I I, want to grow. I I want to grow in my up. I want to grow in my in. I want to grow in my out. I, I desire deeply not to just attend, but to be part of a functioning body and to make an impact wherever God is sending us. Remember, personally, there is no substitute for spending time with God and spending time with others. The more self-focused you are and the more selfish each one of us become, which is some of the results of COVID, isolation, you'll never ever fulfill all that God wants you to do in you and through this church. So my question to you is, do you want to be part of Crosspoint Church? I'd like everybody to stand right now, if you would. If you're able, everyone to stand. And I'd like to pray for us, those who are here, those who are watching online. Father, I pray for this church. Oh, God, there's so many other churches and so many other places that are hearing and listening and and doing what you ask them to do. But I am praying for this church, Cross Point Church, that you would grow us, that we would be intentional, that we would spend time with you, and spend time encouraging and loving those inside these walls and loving those outside our walls. Father, I know each one of us need to grow in certain areas. We do. And it seems overwhelming. But I ask you, dear God, right now that you would do a work, that you would give us a fresh start, that we would see the privileges Of walking with you and joining you in mission. Use these folks. Use us to make a difference, not only in Ingleside and Fox Lake, but all over the world. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated.